Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Maffedon. Thanks for tuning in. Boston Police Department made their way through the neighborhoods of Boston earlier this week for National Night Out. The Monday-Tuesday event honors community members for their steady support of Boston Police. It was also an opportunity for BPD to award the top neighborhood watch groups and recognize community-based organizations' crime prevention successes. Boston residents saw a lighter side of enforcement as BPD provided food, entertainment, and children's activities. Neighborhoods visited included Roxbury, East Boston, Chinatown, South End, North End, South Boston, and Dorchester. I think it's important for kids to spend time with cops and see that they're just people too, just doing their job. And again, for everyone to learn to respect each other and respect what cops can do for our communities. We rely on these community groups to somewhat be our eyes and ears in the neighborhoods. When the, when the community is involved, it makes everything so much easier and, and it helps us do our job. And by having these, these groups that we know about and they know who to reach out to if there's a problem with the community service office and, and we know specifically if we have an issue in the neighborhood, we can go to maybe you know a member of that community group and they can spread the word to their members and it, it just makes things so much easier to share information. It is imperative in this moment that we show the community that law enforcement cares. They show up, they can be here when things are positive, like National Night Out, so that unfortunately when things are in crisis, that's not the first time they're coming to the community. So I think um, Boston is actually a national leader with respect to the way they do community policing, and we can be a gold standard for the rest of the country. In transportation, bold action comes at last as the MBTA announced Wednesday a 30-day shutdown of the Orange Line. Starting Friday, August 19th at 9 p.m., the Orange Line will be out of commission. Service is scheduled to resume on Monday, September 19th. This is all in an effort to accelerate major track and maintenance work, which was originally planned to take five years working solely on weekends. During the 30 days of 24-hour work access, the MBTA will replace the track, upgrade signal systems, and deliver much-needed station improvements. After a dizzying few weeks of MBTA breakdowns, riders are thrilled their safety and complaints are being taken seriously. We deserve more than a daily experience that has baked in the feeling of your body tensing up when you get to the station because you know there's going to be some unspecified amount of delays or hearing the speaker come on the intercom and realizing it's going to be an unpredicted 10 or 15 minute stopover while some issue is fixed or some of the much more horrific incidents that we've seen with more and more frequently in, in recent weeks even. And so um, I'm hopeful that doing this work thoroughly doing it in one stretch and getting it done now will mean that we are saving years of disruptions in the long run. It's new information. We need some time to analyze it, but we've started already. Um, it also impacts our staff. Our staff come from everywhere. And um, in some areas of the city where schools are, the parking is very difficult. And so as a result, staff rely on MBTA. So we have to look at it from, um, from not only the student and the family, but also the staff so that our classrooms are staffed properly. So we'll be looking at that updating um, as that information becomes regular. Uh, also with families, you know, we'll make a commitment to update on a weekly basis the information that we have. 
For T-Riders, all is not lost. The MBTA Board of Directors has approved $37 million contract with Boston-based charter company, a Yankee Line, to provide up to 200 shuttle buses for commuters during the closure. It was a Jamaican independence celebration, but an island event Tuesday at Roxbury's Alma Lewis Playhouse. Residents wore their Caribbean colors and enjoyed a night in the park with friends, lawn chairs, and well-packed picnics. Providing the sweet reggae beats of the evening was Roots Alley Collective, featuring Dion Nib. The event open to all included community vendors, line dancing, and a lineup of food trucks. Jamaican Independence Day became a national holiday on August 6, 1962, when the country achieved full dominion status. It is very important for us to celebrate culture. I have children that are born here and it's very important for me to introduce them to my culture so that they're fully aware of the richness and the pride that Jamaicans have. Uh, they are celebrated in athletics, they are celebrated at the White House, they are celebrated um, nurses in their careers, and are very proud of their heritage. Jamaican Independence Day in particular, as in all Independence Days, is important because it's important to know what happened in Jamaica in terms of the slave trade and that Jamaica, we got their independence just like in the U.S. We had Emancipation Proclamation and we celebrate Juneteenth the same way here in the United States. So it's important that we remember these things so that they wouldn't happen again. America is a melting pot you know, a conglomeration of people from all over the world. And I love America, I love Jamaica, and I love the meeting the different cultures, different people from all over the world, you know, coming together. You know, just wish that we could live together more in unity rather than, you know, point out each other's differences. Naomi Westwater is a queer, black, multiracial singer, songwriter, and producer from Massachusetts. They were in and out of folk music, flirting with rock and jazz. Naomi holds a Master of Music in Contemporary Performance and Production from Berklee College of Music. She was nominated for a 2021 Boston Music Award for Best Singer-Songwriter. This Sunday at 4 p.m., Boston residents can enjoy Naomi's music in the Elliott Schoolyard Summer Concert Series. I had the joy of chatting with Naomi about her music and passions. Here's the interview. I just always was singing and performing starting at three, four years old. So um, I don't even really remember making a conscious choice. It just was something that I loved at a very early age. Um, and luckily my parents fostered it. And I grew up in a multicultural household. So there was lots of different types of music playing from, you know, folk, 70s folk singers like Joni Mitchell and Laura Nero to reggae music and dubstep to Led Zeppelin and uh, 1950s, 1960s jazz. So music was always playing in my house. Um, even though my parents aren't musical, they love music. And all of that different, different types of music really kind of fostered my identity. And I've always liked a, a large eclectic amount of music. 
your next upcoming performance will be part of the Elliott Schoolyard Summer Series. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved uh, with the series and what audiences have in store for your concert this Sunday? Yeah, I actually was asked to play at the concert series last year and it got rained out. So I'm so happy that I have the opportunity to play again and just really appreciative because of COVID. It's really been hard to find safe venues to play at. And a lot of um, places in Boston have been creating outdoor spaces. And so really um, grateful for the Elliott School to be able to play outside um, in the neighborhood for people and not have to worry too much about COVID. And I've been working on an album for the last couple of years. I'll be recording it in October. And the album is called Cycle and Change, and it's about the life cycle of a year. So I'll be playing a lot of songs from, from that album and kind of going through the different seasons um, in my set. In regard to your album, uh, can you talk more about the process of putting it together? Yeah, it's interesting. When you're writing music, you don't always know if anything's going to come from it. Some of these songs are songs that are over 10 years old that I, I wrote you know, about 10 years ago and just kind of didn't do anything with them. But the bulk of the songs are new things that I wrote in 2020, 2021, because as a performing artist, there just wasn't a lot of performing happening with isolation and the pandemic and quarantine. Uh, but there's a lot of thinking, a lot of introspection, a lot of songwriting happening. Um, and so allowing myself to explore playing the guitar for the first time in my life and, and playing on that instrument, and then just kind of this desire and craving for wanting to be outside and wanting to be with people, that's definitely a part of the album. And being really inspired by living in Massachusetts, living in New England, and um, the seasonal changes, and weaving all that together of, of kind of thinking of um, the metaphor of one year being like somebody's whole life. Um, so that's that's how the songwriting came together. And yeah, very excited and, and really grateful to have the opportunity to record it and, and share the music with the world. Having the chance to listen to your music, uh, as you said, so many different influences that are coming through. It's folksy, it's jazzy. Uh, there's a lot of intersectionality that I hear coming through in the music. Uh, and as a queer, black, multiracial artist, um, the last two years have been extremely tumultuous in regards to um, race. You released a, a new recording of Strange Fruit. Uh, that was especially powerful, and I'd love to hear more about um, how you came to that place and um, putting out this this song. Yeah, I've been singing Strange Fruit um, for over a decade now, about 15 years, and it's a very powerful song that um, takes a lot of emotional labor to sing, but I think it's so important. And I really thought of of the murder of George Floyd to me felt very much like a lynching because it was public and created fear um, and really terrorized everybody who witnessed it, um, which was the whole globe. And that's exactly what Strange Fruit is about. And it's a, a powerful song and a song that I think is important for the history of our nation to keep singing.
Um, and I had been singing it for a while and had already recorded it um, before 2020 happened and had just decided not to release it yet. And as artists, it's, it's important for me to think about how do I want to contribute to the conversation? I think when, when things um, happen, there's a part of me that's like, I'm gonna quit my job and become an activist. And that's just not realistic. It's really about how can I find ways to be political in the work I'm already doing. And so I wanted to release that song and make a music video of that song. And, and it ended up being a fundraiser for the Equal Dress of Justice Initiative. Um, and it's very powerful. I, I can sing it only sparingly. Um, but I do feel that when I am singing it, it's it. I feel connected to um, all of the Black women before me in the jazz tradition who have sung the song, as well as just kind of this uh, connection to, um, yeah, ancestors who've who had a lot of pain, um, and it's an important story I think to be told. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that you said uh, the toll that it takes on you to to sing a song like that and channeling the emotion and the significance what what it's really talking about so um thank you for sharing that um and uh as you were talking about connection and connection with women um i was really really uh taken in by the work that you do with uh beats by girls uh, as the associate director of the organization and the leader of the Boston chapter. Uh, can you talk about your work with this group and why it's important to have uh, young women and girls involved in music tech and production? Yeah, so Beats by Girls is a global nonprofit. We have 40 chapters worldwide and we exist to um, work on gender equity in music production and technology. Um, traditionally, it's been a very male dominated field and it's been very difficult for women, girls and gender expansive people to have access to the knowledge of music production and technology. And yet we know that all jobs are, of the future are moving forward towards more technology and more production work. And we wanna make sure that there is uh, gender equity in the future in the music industry and in all industries. So the work that we do at Beats by Girls um, for adults and for youth is really uh, to create that equity. And that's through workshops, through classes and courses and through events. Um, so giving people access to the tools that they need to learn the technology and the production in music, to learn how to be creative, to feel empowered to do that work. So often girls, women, and gender minorities are just discouraged from even getting into that or told that it's not for them. So empowering people um, to let them know that they absolutely have the right minds to, to learn how to do that kind of work. And then also really trying to uplift people who are already in the community doing that kind of work, but haven't really been given the opportunities to get paid for their work or haven't been showcased. So it's um, incredibly meaningful and incredibly inspiring and also a lot of fun to do that work. Returning back to your music for people who want to hear more of you and follow your upcoming projects, how can they do so? Yeah, so I'm on all of the streaming platforms and probably my website is the best place it's 
It's a little hub that shows where I'll be performing next and um, where you can listen to my music and watch my music videos, projects, things like that. It's just NaomiWestwater.com. Last Friday, Governor Baker took a definitive stand in women's health care and rights by signing an executive order to protect access to reproductive health care services in the Commonwealth. The new law protects patients and providers from legal interference when they're engaged in accessing or providing reproductive and gender-affirming health care services that are legally protected in Massachusetts. The law also codifies several protections that Governor Baker put in place by executive order last month to prevent Massachusetts from assisting with other states' investigations or legal proceedings. The law also includes requirements for insurers to cover reproductive health care services, provisions addressing abortions performed at 24 weeks or later, and measures that expand access to contraception across the state. Bria Gatson is the co-founder and executive co-director of Love Your Menses, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to promoting menstrual equity and empowering girls and women through menstrual health education, intergenerational community conversations, resource connection, and mentorship. I had the pleasure of speaking with Bria about Love Your Menses' upcoming period pop-up this Friday, August 5th from 5 to 7 p.m. at Dr. Loesch Family Park in Dorchester. Check out the interview. Love Your Menses was founded in 2019 in response to the growing menstrual wellness needs of adolescent girls. And since our founding, we have expanded our work to provide menstrual education, uh, distribute free menstrual products, do postpartum education and support, and support girls and women across the lifespan, um, tending to their reproductive health and wellness needs. Uh, we were founded in Boston, and since then, we've expanded to seven countries worldwide. Um, and for the people who are coming this Friday, what can they expect at the pop-up? Yes, so you can expect to see a ton of menstrual products. Um, you know, so if you're not comfortable with looking at a pad or tampon, then uh, you will get comfortable because there will be plenty of pads, tampons. We also have reusable products such as menstrual cups and reusable pads that will be available. And you come and you just take what you need. And so you can grab a bag, which has either pads, tampons, or both, or reusable products. You could take some for yourself or a family member or for a friend. There's no sign up required. Anyone is welcome to take what they need. And also to speak to myself and other members of our team, if you have any questions about periods, because we understand um, not everyone has received proper menstrual education and they may have questions on how to properly use a pad or a tampon or how to manage their pain. And so if we can't answer the questions, we always connect them with other community resources. I was really struck by the, the mantra of flow your menses. The phrase is flow through life unapologetically. Uh, menstruation, it's been a, a taboo topic for for too long. And I'm interested in knowing how is Love Your Menzies helping to change that narrative, um, especially when menstruation is such a, it's a basic and natural part of every, every woman's life. Exactly. And so when my co-founder, Dr. Viria Zuma and I 
decided to start Love Your Menses, people always asked us, well, why is it called Love Your Menses? I hate my period. I get pain. I feel bloated and fatigued. And so to us, to love your menses really means to to love yourself enough to continue advocating for your reproductive health as well as someone else's. And so there may be parts of our period that we don't love, and that's okay. Um, You know, many of us experience period trauma where, you know, we've had experienced really painful periods and not have received the proper care that we need. But as a community and as a collective, we can support one another so we can get to a place where we can flow through life unapologetically so you can have your period pain-free and be able to thrive. And a part of doing that is having community conversations so we can talk about our menstrual cycle and make these making these conversations intergenerational because there are many of households where the grandmother is raising the grandchild and the grandmother grew up in a time when menstruation was so taboo, you couldn't even talk about it. You had to go to work in pain and and hide your pain and suffer in silence. And they were never given an opportunity to use their voice. So how can we expect them to educate the younger generation in their household? And so it starts by having those intergenerational community conversations so everyone can learn from each other and get to a place where talking about periods is no longer a taboo. Love Your Menses also has locations, not only in the U.S., but there's a very strong international component. There are locations in Haiti, Nigeria, Kenya, Liberia, Gambia, Sao Tome, and Principe. Uh, Can you talk about the importance of including young women throughout the diaspora uh, in your efforts? Yes. Uh, So my co-founder, Dr. Zuma, was instrumental in ensuring that we build sisterhood across the diaspora. And so one thing that we love to do is connect girls here in Boston to our girls in Nigeria virtually um, due to the pandemic so they can meet each other and be able to learn from each other on what it's like being a girl in Boston or in Lagos or Abuja. And so we love to host cultural exchange opportunities. And the work that we do here is similar to the work we do overseas. All of our work is led by people who are from the community. Uh, So local community leaders who are passionate about menstruation, learning themselves to be then able to teach the next generation. So we host menstrual education workshops in villages. Sometimes we have to get approvals from the village chief. Um, And so there's a lot we've learned um, from working internationally, but it's been such a beautiful experience. And we've um, built so many great relationships um, with individuals in these different countries. And we're excited to host our first international menstrual wellness retreat next summer in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, which will be led by our Love Your Menses team in Kenya. Excellent. And in regard to working in foreign countries, I know cultural competency is a large part of the the education and the conversations that are happening there. How are you balancing um, education with cultural beliefs that might be going against the uh, the message of embracing uh, your menses? That's a good question. And so it's definitely been a work in progress because we never want to offend um, someone who has strong cultural beliefs. And so we meet them where they're at. And one thing that we do is we stick to the basics and to the science. 
menstruation is something that many people experience, regardless of what your religion is, your ethnicity, your geographic location. And so we talk about the physiology of the menstrual cycle. Why does someone actually bleed? Like what's happening inside the body um, to make this process happen? And so by focusing on the science, um, we're able to get through to many people because they understand it's important for people to know about their bodies, know how to use a pad or a tampon, but some um, people don't like using tampons because it's considered an insert, meaning it's inserted into the vagina. And so if they prefer pads, then we stick to talking about pads. Mm -hmm. And so we meet people where they're at, but we also provide people with options so they can be informed. And um, it's been great to really work in partnership with different cultures. Um, we've hosted workshops in different languages as well, uh, such as Spanish and Haitian Creole. Um, and it's just been so exciting to see that menstruation is universal and it doesn't discriminate. Um, and so the more we can talk about it and talk about it from a place that it's normal and many people experience this regardless of their language or, or their culture, um, the more we can uh, break that period taboo. Excellent. And I was really impressed to see men engaged in the organization as program managers. Uh, can you talk about how their presence has helped in your efforts and how men can be allies in uh, the Love Your Menzies campaign? Yes. Uh, so the men in our organization are amazing. Uh, they are true champions for menstrual equity. Uh, they have um, wives and, and sisters and mothers themselves, and um, they wanted to learn more about menstruation. And after learning, they decided they wanted to make sure not only young girls know about menstruation, but also young boys. And the reason why is because it will also help break that stigma if boys grow up learning about menstruation, learning about it from the viewpoint that it is normal, it's not a disease or an illness. Yes, you can shake that person's hand if they're on their period, you're not going to get sick. And, and so we do uh, have conversations with both boys and girls so they can both learn and get to a place where they can support each other. And um, the men have been leading this work um, and, and learning from the women um, and, and working together, which has been amazing to see. And we hope that more men, especially here in the United States and in the Boston area will also step up and uh, learn about menstruation and also educate um, their peers. Wonderful, you're hearing men? We need you <laughs> as well in this fight. All right, wonderful. And for people who wanna learn more about uh, Love Your Menzies or get involved, how can they do so? Yes, uh, we encourage you to visit our website www.loveyourmenses.com. Um, that's where you can learn more about uh, our programs, learn more about our team, um, and see what uh, upcoming events we have. Uh, you can also volunteer with our organization. If you go on our website, there is a link where you can submit a volunteer form. Um, you can also donate to support the work that we're doing on social media. We're on all social platforms. Um, we started very grassroots locally in Boston. Uh, this is where we're headquartered. This is where most of our work is done. And, and since then, we've been able to expand across the country as well and, and work in other cities and be able to take those best practices from Boston and apply it to other locations. And so we're looking for anyone to get involved. 
regardless of where you are across the state or across the country. Wonderful. Bria, I'm just so elated that your organization exists. Uh, but <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Bria Gadsden, co-founder and executive director of Love Your Menses. In the event of rain, Friday's period pop-up will be rescheduled to August 19th. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in, Boston. As a reminder, you can stream or watch news on demand at bnnmedia.org. Each episode will be rebroadcast at 9.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Xfinity Channel 9, RCN Channel 15, and Fios Channel 2161. Starting this week, you can hear the news on the radio at a slightly later time. 7.30 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. on WBCA 102.9 FM. For BNN News, I'm Faith Maffedon, and I'll see you on Monday.